We're starting a new series today. It is written, and I want to start out with something that's true for all of us, yet it's a little bit of a challenge to understand. You are a spirit that just so happens to have a body. And the more real this truth becomes to you, actually the more fulfillment that you're going to find in this life. The more that you can connect with the fact that you're a spirit, primarily, that just so happens to have a body. You're not a body who has a spirit. You're a spirit who has a body. And actually, a quote by C.S. Lewis says it all. Take a look at this. Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you're going to get neither. So we started off this year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, and many of you made spiritual strides during this time. Actually, you probably grew more spiritually in those 21 days than you have in a long time. But here we are, two months later, and I imagine that it's maybe become a struggle once again to make prayer a priority in your life. And I'm not here to put you down because, hey, I'm right there in the boat with you. It's a little bit of a challenge to get up in the mornings, especially after the time change. I'm just here to remind you and to remind myself to put God first. Because if God's not first in our lives, then he's really not in our lives. And you know why do I say that? It's because if you don't put God first, something else is going to take his place every time. So I challenge you to pursue God more this year than you ever have before. Prioritize our Sunday services. Prioritize first Sunday prayer. Prioritize your small group and show up to as many meetings as you can. And then find your daily rhythm where you're putting God into every day of your life. Because you know what? There's nothing more important. There's not a better decision that you can make than to get more of God's word in your life. Take a look at John 1.1. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, the Bible is God. And if you want to know God, then get to know the Bible. The problem is we tend to have a hard time understanding it. Anybody there besides me? Or maybe you're just like a little overwhelmed by the length of it, because it is a pretty big book after all. But thank God Jesus solved this for us, because in John 1.14 it says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. So Jesus came to earth, the word himself, so that we could understand God, so that we could understand his love, so that we could understand his faithfulness. And now we live in Jesus, and Jesus lives in us. So when we hear or read the word, we can expect to understand it. So everyone say this after me. Say, I expect to understand the word that is spoken today. And I expect it to change my life. Take a look at John 6, 63. It says, the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You see, the, bur- the words in the Bible are not just words. They're alive, and they go much deeper than just your natural mind. They speak to our spirit. And then Hebrews four twelve says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. So the Bible is not just a historical record. It's not just a normal book. It's alive, and it's powerful. It's the very word of God speaking to us today, right here in this moment. And it goes on to say, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In other words, the Bible's not an innocent bystander. It's going to get all up in you. It's going to mess with your attitudes. It's going to mess with your emotions. It's going to get all up in your issues. Because once it gets in there, because you took the time to let it work into your life, the power of the word will change your life. It'll do an epic work of healing on the inside of you. But here's the problem. For most Christians, and this is sad to say, the Bible's not alive to them. 
Actually, it's quite dead, and it seems kind of like an out-of-touch book from the past. So my goal today and through the rest of this series is for the Word to come alive in your life. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing you need to know is that faith activates the Word. You see, faith is what causes the Bible to come alive. In other words, when you go to read the Bible, you've got to first decide in your, in your heart that it's truth, that it's alive, and it holds the power to change your life. You expect all of these things to happen before you even start reading it. Take a look at Hebrews 4.2. It says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. So reading the Bible without mixing it with faith is kind of like wondering why the cookies didn't turn out when you left all the ingredients scattered around the kitchen. The eggs are still in the fridge. The vanilla is still in the pantry. Why don't I have cookies? Right? So aren't you glad that we started this message? When we started it, we activated our faith by saying, I expect to understand the word that is spoken today, and I expect it to change my life. And for good measure, we're going to say it again. So repeat after me. I expect to understand the word that is spoken today. And I expect it to change my life. And you know, it's a little bit easier to operate in faith when we're here at church, like when everybody else is operating in faith too. So how do you activate faith in your daily life? Because it's a little bit different then, right? Well, revelation activates faith. In other words, if you want your faith to come alive, then revelation needs to happen. You know, it's like that aha moment, like when the light bulb comes on. Let me give you an example. Remember that text message that you read once and you thought that person was being a jerk, but then you reread the message and you're like, oh, I I must have skipped over a few words because I totally missed that one. Ah, I get it now, right? Or how about that song that you've heard like a hundred times? Then the 101st time, the second verse just like pops out to you, hits you like a rock, and then you're like, bawling like a baby. You're like, oh, that touched me. (laughs) Or, Or how about that thing that your wife's been telling you for years and you're just not getting it? But then your best friend comes along, tells you the exact same thing, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did I not know that? You see, all these moments are considered revelation. It's like when something clicks, it makes sense. So what we need more of is revelation of God's word. So if you've been in church for long, hopefully you've had moments here and there where you get revelation from God's word during Sunday service. You know, it's like when something you've heard from the Bible a hundred times finally makes sense, like, oh, forgiveness is for my benefit, not for theirs. So if revelation activates faith, and then faith activates the word of God, where in the heck do we get revelation? Well, meditation activates revelation. In other words, it's probably not going to come to you at the first pass across the scripture. You can't speed read the Bible and expect to receive revelation. You can't rush into church on Sunday morning and rush out of church and expect to receive revelation. You have to slow down. You have to clear your mind and you have to focus. Read it. Ponder it. Think through it. Let it marinate. Be patient with it. Don't get hung up on getting through like a certain amount of pages or a certain amount of chapters every day. Instead, read a little bit, and then take a moment. Think about it. So that's why I'm challenging you to pursue God more this year than you ever have before. Challenging you to make church a priority, make your small group a priority, make your daily time with God a priority. And guess what? This isn't for my benefit. It's for yours. 
Actually, I dare you to dive all in and like turn your life upside down to make these things a priority because I can guarantee you that when you do, when you get to the end of this year, your life's going to look completely different and God's going to blow your socks off with what he can accomplish through you. Take a look at Joshua 1.8. It says, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. You see, meditation's kind of like those cows that you see out in the pasture. They're like just chewing on grass, you know, chewing. They're not in any hurry. They're just chewing. It's a little bit different at our house during dinner time. Usually the kids are done eating before we even sit down to eat. And if we actually get the opportunity to sit down and eat with them, Beth and I are eating our food as fast as we can to make sure that they don't ask for anything else on our plate when they're done, right? But back to the cows, you know, chewing up their grass. They finally swallow it. And then they do the most disgusting thing. They spit it back up into their mouth and they chew on it some more because there's still nutrients to get out of that grass. And then they swallow it. And then they do it again. I don't know how many times they do it, but it doesn't matter. It's gross. But this is meditation. Be like the cows. Only don't meditate on grass. And you could take that another direction too, right? (laughs) Meditate on the word of God. Take a scripture, (laughs) chew on it, (laughs) swallow it down. (laughs) I got you all way off track. So don't meditate on the grass, meditate on the word. You got to take a scripture, chew on it, swallow it down. Whoops, you didn't get everything you needed out of it. Throw it back up, chew on it again. Because here's what happens when you meditate on the word. This is a continuation. So let me read this again. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. So I think it's safe to say that building our lives on God's word is the best strategy if we want to live a prosperous life. So that's what we're talking about today in part one of this series, a life built on God's word. Matthew 7, 24 in the message translation says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They're not just homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They're foundational words, words to build your life on. And if you work these words into your life, You're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. The rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved the house because it was fixed on the rock. So I got some bad news for you. When you build your life on God's word, the storms are still going to come. But when that tornado hits and tries to destroy your house, you're going to be standing tall because you built your life on a foundation. Everyone else around you is falling apart when the storms of life show up, but you you're left standing strong because you built your life on the word. Your joy is intact, your peace is intact, and your needs are still met. But maybe you're sitting there thinking, hmm, but Kate, I I haven't built my life on God's word. Well, here's the good news. It's never too late to start building your life on God's word. So let's get real practical and talk about how you can build your life on God's word. And here's your first step. I must accept its authority. You see, it all starts with your attitude towards the Bible. Is it just a book written by good people? Or is it God's word? The real deal. 100% truth. Or maybe your attitude is that it's not relevant. I don't understand it. And you know what? There's always going to be things that you don't understand. I don't understand digestion, but I still eat. I don't understand women. But yet, I'm still really thankful to share my life with Beth. And I'll never understand women. 
So you know what? If you don't understand something in the Bible, welcome to the club. And if you find something in the Bible that's contrary to our culture, guess who's wrong? It's not the Bible that's irrelevant. It's that our culture has decided that its way is better than God's way. The attitude we should have towards the word is spelled out really well in this scripture. Take a look, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. Nope, you accepted them. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. So if we want the word of God to work in our lives, we must see the Bible as the authority in our lives. It's the truth. When we read something that reveals that we've been doing something wrong, we change. When it tells us to forgive, even when we would rather hold a grudge, we forgive. When it tells us to pray instead of giving in to anxiety, we pray. And we keep praying until the anxiety goes away. We must accept the Bible as the ultimate truth in our life because it is the Word of God. Which brings us to step two for building your life on God's Word. And it's, I must assimilate its truths. Now, that's a pretty big word, assimilate, but it basically just means that you have to work it in to every area of your life. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just your morning quiet time. The word has to find its way into every area of your life. It has to get up close and personal. So how do you do this? How do you get God's word into every area of your life? I'm going to give you three things. The first is you got to listen to God's word. And look at you. You're here doing that right now. Take a look at this. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing the Word of God. This is why prioritizing church is important, because faith comes when you hear the Word of God. And trust me, you're going to hear the Word of God every time you come here to no limits. But have you noticed how our modern culture has a hard time prioritizing church? And can you see how this is a good idea for the enemy, right? If he can keep you from coming to church, he can keep you from hearing the Word, And without hearing the word, you live your life without faith. And now that's a win for the devil, not for you. And don't prioritize church just to make me happy. Prioritize church because you want to hear the word of God and because you want to connect with others who are in that same boat. And don't just stop there, but prioritize your small group so that you can hear the word of God throughout the week. I'm hearing great things about small groups and how much people are liking them. And I'm in the same boat as them. I'm loving it. And listen like to a podcast from our church or from another church when you're on your way to work or when you're out mowing the grass. By the way, grass season's coming up, y'all. Lots of opportunities to listen to a podcast. You got to be intentional about making sure that you hear the word of God on a regular basis. And there's something else that you got to keep in mind as you listen. Luke 8.18 tells us to pay attention to how you hear. And this is Jesus talking. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. In other words, don't be lazy in your listening. Don't be in such a hurry to get to the next thing after church that you can't pay attention while you're here at church, right? Show up to church expecting your faith to grow as you hear the word of God. Show up to small group expecting. Show up to church expecting. And when you turn on that podcast, when you're mowing the lawn, expect God to speak to you through that. And listen, I'm not saying you can't go on vacation. And I'm not even saying that all your faith is going to be stripped away whenever you miss church one Sunday. But what I am saying is that the word should just be a priority in your life. And you know if it is or not. So we're talking about how to bring God's word into every area of your life. And here's the second way. You got to read God's word. 
And you probably saw this one coming. But please know I'm not talking about an obligation to get through the Bible every year. Although if that's on your heart, go for it. Although when we read the word, it should be kind of like sitting down for a meal. We take a few moments aside from everything else and just kind of focus on what we're reading, meditate on it, let it come into our life. Now, most of us wouldn't do a complete fast from food. It's kind of intimidating, right? Heck, I might even disappear if I did that. Yet I don't know about you, but I've participated in some pretty lengthy fasts from the Word because I got tied up in other things, and other things became a priority. And just like your body will wither away without food, your spirit gets quieter and quieter when it doesn't have the Word of God. And we all know what happens when your mind and your body start leading instead of your spirit. You start acting a fool. Everybody's making you mad. You got a bad attitude. You eat when you're not hungry to satisfy your emotions. Like, we've all been there. But take a look at this. Matthew 4, 4. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So eating food is nourishment for your body. Reading the word is nourishment for your spirit. It's really the only way to ensure that our days are led by our spirit instead of our bad attitudes. Reading the word on a regular basis is what enables you to walk in peace and experience joy even when the things around you are falling apart. So find yourself a plan, whether it be a one-year Bible. There's really no right or wrong way for you to read the Word. You could read a psalm every day, read a proverb every day. You could, try, you could have a goal of getting through the Gospels this year. Whatever it is, just find a plan, set aside time, and do it because it's important. And when you do, don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. You see, because the Bible's like a mirror. It shows you things about yourself that you didn't know. This is really good stuff because I don't know about you, but I would rather get confronted about the things that I'm doing wrong and the things that I need to change during my private one-on-one time with the Bible rather than somebody else confronting me and telling me that I need to change. All right, so we're going to listen to God's Word. We're going to read God's Word. And here's the third thing. We need to explore God's Word. And one of the best ways to do this is with a group. Because the Word comes alive in a new way when you sit down with a small group and you kind of talk about the things you're reading and how it's applying to your life. Getting involved in a small group is what enables you to see that the Word is working in all those around you and kind of like lets you in to see how the Word can work in your life as well. So if you're signed up for a small group, here's the deal. You need to prioritize it in your schedule. You need to show up to as many meetings as you can. And if you're not signed up for a group, the door is always open. We don't close enrollment. Just jump in, sign up. You can see Chris or Gina after the service, and they'll find you the right group that fits with your schedule. Because take a look at this. This is what happens when we let the word into every area of our life. Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, when the word's found its way into into our hearts, the sin, it goes away. And I imagine there's people in the room that are just sick of sin. Like you just keep doing something that you know you shouldn't do. And afterwards, you're just like, why? Why do I keep doing that? You know it's not who you are and you're frustrated because you just keep going back to something that you don't want to do anyways. And you know what? You're going to keep repeating that same process until you get the word into every area of your life. The answer is simple. Dedicate yourself to God's word. Listen to it, read it, and explore it with a small group. And when you do this, your life's going to change. The sin will disappear and your life will become more than you could have ever dreamed it could be. And I bet there's countless testimonies of people who have done this in their own life And that was the one and only thing that got them out of this pattern of sin. So here's the final point I want to make today. 
And that's, I must apply its principles. Don't just read it. Don't just listen to it. But apply it into your everyday life. Because take a look at this. Let me say, James said this, not me, okay? Because it's a little bit harsh. Don't just listen to God. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. And the best way to apply the word in your life is to find a scripture for every situation. So a few years ago, I was like so stressed out that it started to show up in my health. And I told this story at our last healing encounter, but I want to tell it to you guys again today. My chest would hurt, which would make me think that there was something wrong with my heart. I had higher than normal blood pressure, which always like confounded the doctors because I looked like a healthy person. My hands were always shaky. I would have a hard time concentrating. And of course, I was tired all the time. I never felt fully rested. And all this was because I was worried about everything. Like, I worried that Beth and I would run out of money. I worried that I would make a mistake at work and there would be no coming back from it. I was always caught up in the thought that I didn't have enough to offer. I didn't have what it took to do my job well. I didn't have what it took to be a good husband. And when the health problems showed up, I worried that I would die prematurely and leave Beth behind with a load of heartache for really no reason. Until one day, I'd had enough. Like I was ready for change. And I knew the answer was in the Word of God. I was a Bible school graduate, for heaven's sake. But yet, I let years go by before picking up the most powerful weapon, the weapon that destroys every stronghold. But when I finally picked it up, here's the scripture that I found. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He's done. And then you'll experience God's peace. And you know what? This sounded really good. It's what I wanted. It's what I needed. But my struggle didn't like magically disappear on the first pass of this scripture. And at first, there were only moments of relief whenever I would sit down and actually meditate on the scripture. But I kept at it. I grabbed the scripture by the collar because I was determined to make it be real in my life. I was determined to not worry about a thing. Turns out it takes a bit of time to undo a mindset that had been developed and nurtured over years. But day by day, speaking this scripture out loud, meditating on it, my life began to change. And I developed a habit of going to this scripture every time I would worry. And I would just keep reading it and I would repeat it out loud until the anxiety dissipated. And the truth is, this is what happened. God's word did destroy that stronghold. His peace really is guarding my heart in my mind as I live in Christ Jesus. The peace that I, but the peace I was looking for back then, whenever I was having all those health problems, like it, the peace I was looking for doesn't even compare to the peace that I have now. Like God showed up and he exceeded my expectation. You see me walking around peaceful and it's not because I'm a peaceful person because in the natural, I'm not peaceful at all. But it's whenever I let the word of God come into my life and transform me that I became a peaceful person. You can ask Beth, like, I really don't worry about anything. And when I do, if it does try to creep back up, the scripture is like right there at the front of my mind because it's a habit now. And living this way is so much better than living worried. Because I don't know if you've realized this, but being worried doesn't change the situation. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't make it better. But living in peace does. He wants to do the same for you that he did for me. You see, the Bible, it's alive and it's powerful. It's not a historical record. It's God speaking to us today, in this moment, right now. It holds the power to change our lives, and it holds the solution to every problem that you face. 
And when you prioritize the Bible and accept it as ultimate authority in your life, it doesn't really matter how bad the storm it is, how bad the storm is, you're going to stand strong and you will overcome and you'll come out stronger on the other end. So let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for your word. Lord, we thank you that it's coming alive in our lives. We thank you that we're realizing its power, that we're realizing its truth. Lord, we accept its authority. We accept it as your word. We accept it as your word spoken to us right now in this moment. Lord, help us to find the solutions to our problems in your word. Help us to prioritize the word in our lives. Help us to never write it off as an out of touch historical book, but to always realize that it's alive right now and that it's powerful. Lord, we thank you that it's working in our lives and let us never give up on your word. If we have to read a scripture a hundred times for us to actually receive that revelation, for it to make sense and for it to ring true in our lives, Lord, give us that stamina to press through and to see the word become true in our lives. Lord, work the word into every area of our life. Lord, we invite you in. We invite you in as the word to change us, to make us new. Lord, we trust your word. We love your word. We're grateful for it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.